and welcome to another edition of the Big Nick Energy Podcast. I'm Joe Yoke. That's Brad Dressler. Brad, how we doing this week? I missed you, buddy. It's I been a little you, while. Buddy. It's been a little while. We haven't been. We have, what's it been? Two, three weeks. Two weeks. Three. You've had yeah. great guests without me. Monica McNutt, like, damn, how do I miss on the good days? Yeah, you know, I've done a tremendous job without you. You're, you're, you were not missed at all, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm as mid as the Knicks. What are you going to do? So we're yes. recording this for everyone knows that listens to this later tonight or tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this before the Knicks Hornets game. So they're not going to, we're not going to talk about that game that much. By the time you hear this, the Knicks will be either 13 and 13 or 12 and 14, and they could be as high as uh fourth or as low as 10th. So, I mean, the East is a crap shoot right now. Yeah. Um, just to establish how crazy the East would be, uh, the tanking teams are the magic and Pistons and the dominant teams are the Celtics and bucks and the Knicks are smack dab in the middle. That's how much fourth and 10th are all about 500, uh, wild. But let's talk about what the Knicks did while we were gone, Brad. They went two and two on a four-game homestand. Uh, they lost 109-103 to Milwaukee, which we all would have saw coming. Uh, they lost in embarrassing fashion to the Mavs, 121 to 100, which they've owned in recent years and time. So before we skip to Cleveland and then Atlanta, what do you think happened in the Mavs game specifically last week? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, as, as you mentioned. As you mentioned, we, for whatever reason, in the last few years, we've absolutely owned the Mavs, especially, especially at home in the garden. Uh, I can attest to that. Uh, one of the handful of games that I actually got to catch last year was a Dallas at New York Knicks game. Uh, one, uh, one like 500 bucks nice. <laughs> on that game, which was dope. Were you the guy they like... picked to try to make the four shots in the half court shot? No, it was, it was, uh, I actually remember what the bet was. As a matter of fact, it was Julius Randall points under Luka Doncic points under team total, like, a under for the game and Nick's money line all parlayed 500 bucks. Boom. Nice. That was, that was really fun. But yeah, um, that was just a, a very Nick's esque collapse that we've seen time and time again under, you know, within the Tom Thibodeau era. I'm not entirely too sure why this keeps happening under under Tom Thibodeau. Like, you see collapses, big collapses like that, maybe once, maybe twice a season. It Hyperbolically, like... what do you think this dude does during halftime? I don't. The most outlandish thing you could think of, what does Tom Thibodeau tell his players at halftime that they get outscored 41 to 15 in the third quarter? He just yells at them and 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 makes them feel bad about themselves or some something like that. <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I really I couldn't make of any I couldn't think of anything funny in that moment, but I just I really truly don't know. It it's it's so strange how we've seen collapses like this 10, 12, 15 times in the last two years. It's crazy. Over and over again. And Vin, I think you had too many twisted teas. We're literally on the third of the second of the fourth games. We're going over really quick, as you keep saying you don't know what's happening. You're welcome. Get past the Dallas game. Uh, so they lost those two, and then they win the next two, which is probably also surprising to a lot of us. On the second end of a back-to-back, losing to Dallas on Saturday in the Garden, and then on Sunday, they just totally stifle one of the best offensive teams in the league and a man that will be connected to the Knicks folklore forever, Donovan Mitchell, with a 92-81 performance at home. Just, like, making the Cavs not do what they did in the last third quarter or what the Mavs did in the third quarter the Knicks outscored them all four, three of the four quarters, and then they outscored the Hawks all four quarters. So for the Cavs game first, Brad, how how did that happen? Uh, 
Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes. That's that, fair. That's, that's the main differentiating factor uh, from that game versus the game that we played in Cleveland earlier on the season, Quentin Grimes. Um, now, granted, it was a very poor shooting night. You can kind of tell that maybe they went out on the town in New York City and they weren't used to that, obviously. Whereas we, you know, we, we have a bunch of party animals in, on the Knicks that can go out till four o'clock in the morning and then play a game the next day. Whereas the other guys around the league just can't hang. Um, Speaking it, of which, can you believe that RJ Barrett and them went out on a night? I can believe that. That's not the crazy part. Yeah. The club that they went to spelled his name wrong. Yeah. That was hilarious. How can hilarious. that happen? <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, you know, um, I guess to work in the hospitality industry, you don't have to be the brightest. The guy's <laughs> name is on like every fifth billboard. I know, right? Um, Whatever it is, what it is. But like I said, it, it it had a lot to do with our. It had a lot to do with Quentin Grimes kind of, um, being that difference maker on defense, especially uh, when when guarding a guy as dynamic as Donovan Mitchell. Um, but also, I I do feel like maybe those guys might have had a little bit of a hangover from the night before. I'm not entirely too sure because they it wasn't like even a man a game. Yeah, no, they looked like a shell of themselves. I don't know. What do you think? So weird. I actually, so I want to work off that theory right there real quick, because you know how like when you wake up from a hungover, if you've gone out to like four or five, six in the morning, if you're actually awake at noon, you're not quite hungover yet. You might still be a little drunk. And if you hydrate enough, you can kind of snap out of it. Yeah. Imagine if just all of the teams that keep destroying us on Sunday matinees, they're actually still a little drunk and they drink water and play their way out of being hungover. But the Cavs, because they went to bed at five and then woke up at one in the afternoon, actually were hungover for a 6 p.m. game. Hilarious. So I want to go with that. I don't think that happened at all. I just think the Cavs were ice, ice cold from three. Would they make five out of 29 or something like that? It was bad. It was really bad. And Quinn Grimes being on the court and defending Mitchell for a little bit is awesome and all. But it's not one on five, obviously. It's not even one on one. And our team, we only scored 92 points. It's one of the lowest outputs for the Knicks offensively, too. So. The, the Cavs just missed open shots. It's like the one time that Thibodeau's let them rain threes scenario actually works, oddly enough. Yeah. To move on to the Hawks game real quick to get through all four, uh, the Knicks beat their oddly rival Hawks 113-89 in a game they led wire to wire. And like I said before, they actually outscored them every single quarter. Uh, Nate McMillan is seen by Hawks fans because I went through a lot of Hawks Twitter recently just because obviously – Trey Young in the shoes, and then you just deep dive because I have nothing to do at work. Uh, a lot of their fans think the same way of Nate McMillan as we do Tom Thibodeau, where he already reached his peak the one year that they surprisingly made the conference finals with no fans, and just it's gone downhill since then. I know there was fans in the playoffs, but them getting there is kind of a uh, crapshoot. So I want to ask you a quick question. I don't know how much you have know or follow Nate McMillan uh, throughout his career, but I feel like he's been in the NBA a while. Are Nate McMillan and Tom Thibodeau actually the same person? As in, they're both specialists on one end. They yeah. both don't use rotations in any way, shape, or form that their fans or people would think that they should. And they peak really early on teams and then just... I think Tom Thibodeau is overall a better coach than, than Nate McMillan, in my opinion. Um Kind of to your point, like, yes, I was going to say, I was like, Nate McMillan's not a defensive specialist. Even Offensive. Before, well, I was going to say, he, yeah, he, I mean, a former point guard, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't think Nate McMillan has the coaching chops. I don't think he's had nearly as much success in the league. I don't think he's as respected 
as a Tom Thibodeau is. Um, but yeah, in a lot of ways, like I can see where like they have these like relatively high highs, but then these really low lows. There's no consistency with either of those guys, and it's like they're really easily figured out uh, on both ends of the floor sometimes. The next time any Knicks fans has free time and they're sick of arguing on Knicks Twitter about Cam Reddish, do yourself a favor and go on Hawks Twitter. It'll make you feel good about yourself for like five right. minutes. Yeah. The gra- I'm not saying sure. the grass is or isn't greener on one side, but it, if you're not the Celtics or the Bucks or not even the Suns, really, it seems like it's just the Celtics and Bucks right now, you're having a bad time. <laughs> right. That's going to be a hell of an Eastern Conference Finals, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah. Is there? I don't think there's any way it's not those two teams barring like a major injury. Yeah, I mean they're getting back. They're they're getting Chris Middleton back into the swing of things, and they've already been, you know, one of the better teams throughout the throughout the season. So it's it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch those two teams go at it for sure. I'm super excited. Also, it uh, goes to show that if you do actually get a younger coach in that has newer ideas like Mazzella, even though Mazzella was brought in in a crazy uh, outside of basketball circumstance. You'll never know what you've run into. You might find yeah. a young genius. Um, Johnny Bryant. Yeah, Johnny Bryant. Let, give him the guy a shot. Uh, first news that's not based on the games. Obi Toppin suffered a non-displaced fracture of his right fibula. For anyone that doesn't know what a non-displaced fracture is, it's when your bone breaks, but it's not actually, usually a bone break happens and they go off a little bit one way or another. It's actually just a clean break where it's not not lined up, just so anyone knows. Um the average time for the break is 16 games or uh, four weeks, approximately four and a half weeks, depending on the season. So Obi's probably going to be gone till at another second weekend in January, second week of January, more or less. We were just about to, we ran one game with the nine man rotation that Thibodeau talked about. And the four guys on the bench, IQ, Deuce McBride, uh, Hartenstein and Obi Toppin. And now we're immediately down to eight, one game in. And the two guys that actually got garbage time the other night, Jericho Sims and Svey, Mikhailuk, Mikhailuk, I'll get it one day. Svey and Jericho Sims got the time. They didn't even get Cam Reddish or Derek Rose and forget Evan Fournier, but Cam Reddish didn't even come off the bench for garbage time. So with Obi topping out, what do you expect to happen with that ninth guy rotation? Uh, First and foremost, it's Svey. Say it with me. Svee, Makai Luke. It's way in the morning, baby. Svee, Makai Luke. Svee, Makai Luke. You got it. There you go. Let's go. I know I can say it. I'm actually All right. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, we're recording this just before the Charlotte game, and I really do feel like this is going to be a very telling contest to see kind of what they do. If they do give Cam a little bit of time back, if they play a little bit of Jericho Sims at the four, no shot, know, man. You can't play Hart and Sims. They're whoever the small ball four is. That's a backup. It's gonna be rough, right? So yeah. I mean, uh, I I did see an article uh, that they're going to potentially run R.J. Barrett a little bit at the four, which. But Tib said we... during his last interview. Oh, did he? I, yeah. I actually didn't. I, I didn't know that. I read the article and I, I I guess I just glazed past that. But yeah, uh, that that's that's really fun because you know, look in two in two thousand twenty two, the year of our Lord, uh basketball isn't the same basketball that it used to be. You don't need a six foot 10 guy who can rebound and play, you know, defense in the low block. Fours are wings now. You need a stretch of really, Exactly. And, and, you know, if you look at, if you look at side by side, RJ Barrett and Julius Randall, 
Julius is not that much bigger than RJ Barrett. He can hold his own, especially, you know, you can, you can hide him on offense and defense in a lot of different ways. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see RJ run a little bit of four next to next to a center as well. So do you think we're going to go to an eight man rotation or because in this scenario or in my version of how I'm filling in the blanks of your scenario, that would mean Cam Reddish is the three. And I, in my head, it's like, uh, IQ running point. I know Deuce is smaller, but IQ ball handling. IQ Deuce, Cam, RJ, iHeart, Sims, Mitch, insert center here. Is that what you're saying? Or are you I saying we're going eight man? Sense. I think it would make the most sense just because of the versatility of a Cam Reddish. If you're going to bring one of those guys back between the three guys that have kind of been dropped, i.e. Fournier, Rose, and Reddish, you're going to want to probably bring, bring back Reddish because, I mean... He's probably uh, it would make the most sense for them to ultimately keep him if they couldn't trade him, for example. Um, but yeah, that that's that's kind of my take on that. I agree with you. I mean, I didn't think that Cam actually should have been totally out of the rotation in the first place, which you and I have both said on this podcast many times last year and then leading up to this year that we both foresaw a scenario that Cam's inconsistency and then. I don't think he's injury prone per se, but he gets knickknacked a little bit and then just gets in these scenarios that he would be the odd man out. We don't have yeah. enough good players on our team and he's not the ninth best guy on our team. He's yeah. probably fourth to sixth on most nights. Like I don't yeah. actually see why he's fully out of the rotation. So if it's not Cam Reddish and it's someone else, either Svi Mikhailuk is way better than any of us anticipate or we're going to go to an eight-man rotation and that doesn't seem like it's prevalent or warranted in this the middle of the season and not the playoffs i mean unless the unless the rumors are true that fred katz recently re- mentioned in the on the athletic that the, the we can make a trade as as soon as the 15th of this month I'm just but saying. he also mentioned iq as a trade chip and iq's playing if they if they use i know we're gonna get into this later if it was the next use, topic let's just say we're bringing it up now cool if they used Emmanuel quickly as a trade chip just to get off of Evan Fournier or Derek, I mean, not even Derek Rose, because I don't think I don't think you need to really attach that much to a, a expiring deal. Hey, here's Evan Fournier, and we'll give you a manual quickly to get off of him. That is the just the the, the worst sounding business. I depends on what comes back because I, I don't know, right? I don't know what's coming back in that deal. That just sounds like absolutely god awful terrible business. What about you? It sounds terrible. At that with we have 11 first round picks until 2029. We you can hang on to they literally can hang on to seven no, four picks and still give out seven picks. And of those four picks, as the Lakers show you, you only need two of the next 6 years worth of your own first round pick to have be trade bait or trade eligible just give out a first round pick the detroit pick isn't even going to take place until 2026 barring them getting the number one yeah. pick and getting victor Wembayama. yeah just like dude they're both useful young players isn't the point of drafting drafting useful young players unless you have a top five pick and they keep saying this draft is deep this year quote unquote Nick Smith, who's on Arkansas, who's supposed to be the third or fourth best prospect, 
already not already doing the Shaden Sharp, maybe playing, maybe not playing for a lot of the year thing. He's actually played on like Shane Sharp did last year. I know Max was telling telling me that the last podcast, but there's players like that that are like they have so much talent, they're tantalizing, they're projected to go top five, top ten. If they're not playing at all that year or enough this year, and you don't get a good read on them, and then all of a sudden you draft the Zach Wilson of the NBA, you're screwed anyway. So you have two young, useful players that show they're young and useful already on the team. Don't, if you use them as trade bait, use them as trade bait for an asset. Do not, by any means, use them to get off of Evan Fournier's contract. That is horrible, horrible business. Did you see the screenshot I posted today from Hoops Hype, or Hoops Rumors, I mean? that So on Twitter, Hoops Rumors, you can look up their, uh, they keep all transactions that are done during the NBA, so I love going on there once in a while. Just a reminder to everyone that two years ago, our offseason included giving Taj Gibson, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, Evan Fournier, and Derek Rose a combined $75 to $80 million for a year. That is horrendous business. Horrible. Taj Gibson was the most useful based on his contract because it was a one-year thing and they got off it. No, 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 on his contract, not overall, obviously. No, 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 no. Alec Burks has ended up being the best player and he's not on the team. (laughs) So I guess we'll we'll kind of pass on that because, I mean, yeah, to your point, um, I I just don't think that it, like I said, like, like, like we agreed, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. We can kind of get past that. I didn't even mention Kemba, but whatever. Are we talk? So are we? Are we? Was that when we re-signed them, or was that when we initially signed them? When we initially signed Evan, and then either re-signed or bought back all those players, it was the same off season. It was two off seasons. It was last off season prior to last year. All the same off season. So the off season of Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. Right. So here's the thing, right? I get where you're coming from. It in in hindsight, it looks like bad business, right? But here's the thing. We brought in Alec Burks on a one year deal. Why? To trade him. Because this was going to be a rebuilding team. But that was, re- that was that's a- the thing. It's like why resign him for multiple years to have to trade afterwards? I'll explain. They brought in Alec Burks as a trade as trade as a trade piece to try to get a couple second round picks or something like that. Same thing goes for Nerlens Noel. These were guys that were brought in that we were going to. I mean, I I've I've said this a million times. If you if if you if you couldn't recognize that the Knicks wanted to rebuild the front office at the very least, that's why I just don't understand why Tom Thibodeau was the coach. But that's neither here nor there. If by drafting Obi Toppin while you still have Julius Randle wasn't enough of a tell that this team was looking to rebuild, I don't know what to tell you. But a lot of things in the, in, in professional sports have to do with optics, right? Two seasons ago, the, tw- the, 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 the almighty fourth seed season, right? You had Alec Burks who, who performed well. You had Derrick Rose who performed really well. You had Nerlens Noel who performed really well. Taj is, you know, a consummate professional that you like to have on the bench. Plus, you know, he unfortunately plays a lot of minutes under Tom Thibodeau when he's there, right? When you have these guys that you you brought in to trade them and everyone knew it, and then you don't have you actually don't trade them because they all end up perform outperforming their expectations and getting you to the fourth seed. Guess what? Now you have to pay the piper. 
now you, you don't have, have to, to do them. it for all of them though i but, but the thing is is that it looks better from from an optic standpoint when other guys that want to, you know, are, are debating whether to sign with the Knicks or this team. Cause they're like, Hey, listen, if I'm going to take this short deal and, uh, and prove it and then ultimately want to get a longer term contract, I can look back at Alec Burks. I can look back at Nerlens Noel. I can look back at Derek Rose. Those guys earned their keep. And then they were given the money that they, that they deserve. So again, initially it didn't look like a good, good idea, especially because you had, to trade a like a boatload of second round picks. Granted, we're not we're never going to use them. Had to trade a boatload of second round picks to get off of those guys. In turn, it's it it, it can pay off for us in in the long term. That's all I'm saying. I don't think it will. <laughs> I'm not saying it can't, but based on my fandom as a Knicks fan and what we've seen since 1985. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't I mean, think again, our off season is gonna go that well. I'm not saying that it's gonna it's gonna sway away or or whatever like a like a high ticket free agent or something like that. But if you're getting a guy that's like more of like a prove it situation, a guy that's maybe coming off a bad year or coming off an injury and that wants to sign a one plus one or a one year deal, and they have to decide between whether they go to the Knicks or they whether they go to the Magic or the Hawks or whatever the hell. And they're like, all right, well, the Knicks want to give me the most money. And I think that I can get paid and on a longer term deal after I do really well this season. It's I'm I'm telling you, you, you don't you don't think about these kind of things in, in, in the but in the background, these are the types of real things that are going on in real life. That's all. So I get that's happening, and I know that ha- does happen quite a bit. I have a question for you based on the scenario that existed for New York itself, though. Mm-hmm. When teams are rebuilding, they generally want younger players or like young assets, and you'll have maybe two or three veterans. They ended up signing four guys over the age of 28 and five guys with over seven years of NBA experience. That's where I get lost in this. If you signed even three of the five I mentioned, I kind of understand or get it. It's that they signed all five. And again, I didn't even mention Kemba Walker, who is closer to using a Walker than he is to actually making a game-winning shot again, as terrible as that sounds. So I just... Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. You know? Look, coming off... The, the, the worst thing that could have happened to the Knicks was the 2020-2021 season. Now, in a lot of ways, especially for us, the content creators... It's one of the best things that could have happened to us. Why? Because when the Knicks are winning and the, when the Knicks are exciting, you get a lot of the casual fan base to come in and be like, yo, I'm a Knicks fan again, right? There's 8 million people in New York alone, not even including the surrounding area. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the world was on fire. Like, everyone loved the Knicks when they were doing well. And, and that's the most exciting part about it. But, in in like I said, it was the worst thing that could have happened at that time because that team should have continued to rebuild with a, a better coaching staff, a better front office, um, and a you know better better management at the top, but they never did. And by signing, well, you know, signing Kemba, by signing Fournier, by re-signing all those guys, they doubled down on the on the on the you know on the season prior. Um, they wanted to put shooting around Julius. They thought that maybe they can get the same. Uh, they can get the same, uh, you know, replicate the magic from the year before. And obviously they couldn't. And now we're, now where we're at, (laughs) but it is what it is. 
I'm glad you mentioned Julius because I'm going to say one sentence and Julius Randall is actually our next topic. The one sentence I wanted to say is that I wonder if the marriagement of Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau and Tom Thibodeau talking to Leon Rose on, I don't know, a daily, weekly basis, however often, I wonder if Leon thought he could sign all those older offensive-minded players and actually get Tibbs to have them buy into a defensive scheme and not recognize that Tibbs' defensive scheme is obsolete and he's actually not the best at uh, matching up or managing players. I think that's a major error that's going to be the end of Leon Rose's tenure one way or another. Along with Tibbs. I think when one... I honestly... It's coming to the point that when one leaves, the other one leaves, barring the Knicks actually going on a run right now. Yeah, you know, when you look at Minnesota, they weren't the best defensive team under Tibbs. Um, they were top 10 at one point, but they were just weren't that good. When you look at the... Um, the Chicago Bulls, had Joe Kim Noah and Taj Gibson. I think that's almost a cheat, cheat code. Joe Kim Noah, Taj Gibson, Jimmy Butler at some point. Uh, Luol Deng was a good defender. Yep. Even, damn, Carlos Boozer was a good defender, you know? So you had a lot of these guys. Shit, Kyle Korver, you know? Um yeah. Uh Kyle Korver is not the worst defender. Even when when he was healthy, Derrick Rose is actually a pretty pretty damn good, you know, uh defender when he wanted to be. So yeah, uh he It's easier to surround a point guard, a small point guard with defenders than it is to surround a power forward that's not good at defending with defenders. It's yeah. You need a defending big more often than you need a defending small. You need wings and bigs. A point guard's a point guard. Right. You mentioned uh, Julius Randle, and I wanted to ask you because even though I don't think I'm, NBA Trade Report is not a real verified Twitter account or anything, and their sources are probably non-existent, but it's fun to think about the whole Julius Randle going to Phoenix or anywhere else thing at any point. I have a question that's based on Julius Randle, the player on the Knicks, before we talk about him ever actually being traded. If Julius Randle was not forced down our throats as a number one when he is so clearly if he's ever going to win a title on any team the third best player on the team do you blame julius randall for that do you blame like do you think us as fans get too mad at him do you think he tried too hard to be something he's not and then he sulks too much like where are you on the julius randall fandom stakes currently i blame scott perry and steve mills they were the ones who wanted him. They were the ones who saw this vision and they thought that they had this player that was just like a, a diamond in the rough. And in a lot of ways they were right, but I just don't, I mean, clearly, you know, we had that one miraculous season, but other than that, everything has been kind of subpar. Like you saw, you know, you have a guy that could put up 20, 10 and five any given night on poor efficiency. I still Four think turnovers, three bad yeah, cuts, bunch yeah, of, yeah. bunch of turnovers, um, poor efficiency. And, and I still think he has a little bit of a hitch in his shot. I don't know. It's just like, he looks weird when he's shooting the ball, but um, I blame those guys. I blame those guys and putting that battery in his back and making him believe that he's more of a one, especially after the year that he had coming off the bench in new Orleans. Like, yeah, you look great coming off the bench. And sure, you look good in Anthony Davis's absence, but you don't, you weren't you weren't a star player, and you never were. So, and their team lost bad. like seventy percent of games. Like, if you're putting up numbers and your team is doing that bad, that doesn't make you a good player. That means every team gets a hundred somehow. 
I I used to I used to shred with him and Alfred Payton. Oh, in uh, fantasy. In in daily fantasy for sure. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Like th- both of those guys were like triple double machines. So especially off the bench, and yeah, their team's no, I, losing I, I by twenty. <laughs> yeah. But yeah so to get off, so to use that, Julius say Julius Randall does get moved off of this team. Before I ask you what you think or what we both think we would be able to get as a team or a front office for him, where do you see the minutes in ball distribution? So just to really quick, this man's averaging over 21 minutes a game. He's averaged between 20 and 22 the whole time he's been here. He's averaging 33 minutes per game and an almost 27% usage rate. So where are where is that like production coming from if he's gone? You get a you get a lot more Julius. I'm sorry, you get a lot more RJ Barrett on ball, right? Um, do we want that though? Based on what we're seeing currently with RJ, yes. right now, yeah, right now, yeah, yeah. You know because, I, you know, we I based off my conversation with BJ Bass, right? He had mentioned uh, that he wanted to see more of RJ Barrett with the ball in his hands, and and that's where he was most comfortable. Uh, you know, especially in Duke. So I think that maybe getting him back to that with the ball in his hands and then have him being more of a facilitator. We know Jalen uh, Jalen Brunson can operate with, you know, off the ball when 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 need be. Um, but also we've seen a lot of uh Quentin Grimes with the ball in his hands. And, you know, just seeing him run a couple of offensive sets a game, I don't hate it. I don't I don't hate it. So that that's where you're gonna see the bulk of that stuff go uh you know bulk of those those touches go in my opinion you're gonna have to keep talking my alarm's going off and my dog is barking so i'm on mute yeah you're good whatever we'll just cut this out no edits my dog i'll actually let you hear so every time the fire alarm goes off across the street my dog yelps at it and i don't know if it's because he thinks it's a dog or like a wolf howling or if it just really really hurts his ears and it's adorable as his dog owner, but I feel so bad for my neighbors because there's just a really loud yelping dog up until like up until the alarm goes off. And at noon, it goes off every day for once and he doesn't do it. But if it's actually going off, like there's a real fire or a call or whatever, he, it goes off five times and he's just like, arr, 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 and I feel <laughs> so bad, but it's so adorable. Ask the people, Joey. I will. Anyone in the comments. Uh, let me know. It's probably because his ears hurt, but I mean, we try to cover up his ears. There's no dog Q-tips or there's no dog earplugs as far as I know. And if there are, send me a link. I'll buy them and make my life a little bit better or my neighbor's life a little bit better anyway. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> uh, so Brad, the last question I want to ask about Julius Randall, what would you try to get or expect our front office to get if Julius Randall was ever actually in a trade? I don't see I don't see him netting us a first. I don't I just don't see it. Maybe like a future protected first or something like that. So I wanna I wanna push back on that real quick before you keep going. This is a man that averages almost a double double and was a second team all NBA player and is only twenty eight years old and is in essence in the prime of his career and is on on contract for two to three more years with whatever team would trade for him. And he's not actually a max guy. He's not getting paid as a max guy. He has a no. relatively team-friendly deal if he was on a team with a better front office. So how would this guy not get a first-round pick? 
I don't know. I don't know how trading works. It's <laughs> it's like it's weird in the NBA, like the the value of first round picks, like part of me. Like he's not getting Victor Wemby. He's not getting the first overall pick this year, but how is he not worth like the 12th pick? I don't know. You know, <laughs> like when you look at, you look at other instances where guys have been traded, like on draft night, for example, that are still under contract or whatever the case may be. It, it boggles my mind how they're talking about, <laughs> pardon me, <clears throat> Miles Turner potentially netting one or even two first round picks, but then Julius Randle, they, all they talk about is how he's not even worth one, which I wonder if how much of that is actual New York media or like us downplaying our own players. We don't like, here's the thing, right? He is under, uh, for some reason, teams like paying their own guys, right? They like being in control of making those contracts. So when you're, well, the salary cap makes it easier for you. You actually get to save money that way. Right. But he also has a trade kicker. Yeah. 15% trade kicker. Um, you know, in, in the example that was given online, with the Phoenix Suns, you'd be get, we would be receiving not one but two expiring contracts. So it's not even like we're taking back any bad money. Are you talking about the Crowder Sarich in two seconds or something? Is that what you're looking at? Or not even seconds. I mean, maybe we get second round picks. Maybe we don't. I'm not entirely too sure. That sounds terrible. I would not make that trade. It's literally just like, hey, we're um we're 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 washing our hands of Julius Randle. And well, it doesn't sound terrible, and I'll explain why. The reason being is because we have a bunch of young guys that are on rookie contracts. That that should be the core of this team, and the other guys should be supplementary to them, right? We have three first round picks coming this offseason. We have our own pick. We have Dallas's pick. And then if Washington keeps playing the way they are, we're going to have three first round picks. Now, can we maybe consolidate two of those and turn it into one so that we come out of the first round with two players as opposed to three? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But we have to cover our ass for the downside. And what is that? We need to have at least three roster spots available for three first round picks and have the minutes allotted for them, you know? So yeah. that would mean getting rid of veteran players like Derrick Rose, like Evan Fournier, like Julius Randle, and highlighting these other guys. And that's what you have to do. Listen, the 2023 class is tremendous. We're going to do a lot of work, you and I, uh, going into going into draft season on a lot of these guys that the Knicks could be targeting. So I'm excited to get a chance to do that. But the fact of the matter is this. The, the, based on the personnel and based on the draft capital that we have moving forward, this is the best approach. Get rid of all these contracts that you can, even if it's kicking the can down the road. It is what it is. It's not like we're not going to be able to replace him with a first-round pick this year. And, hey, guess what? We have this guy that we drafted eighth overall in 2020 named Obi Toppin who's getting four minutes a night. It's Put him in the freaking starting lineup. Put him in the starting lineup. That's it. That, that That's my rant. I think that there's a strong chance that we trade Obi Toppin before we trade Julius Randle. And I'm not saying I approve of that. I don't like that. I think that is stupid. I think with what one guy is worth versus his actual skill set and value versus the other, I think we're going to end up trading Obi Toppin before Julius Randle. I couldn't. I, 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 if we got Donovan Mitchell, sure. Now, well, if there's no, if there's no star on the horizon, that's, that would be the worst. I mean, I, I, I couldn't co-sign that deal. Last thing I'll ask you before we do the, because there's three games that we're playing next week, even and it's a weird scheduling quirk that I want to ask you about. But uh, the last thing I want to ask you before we get there, 
would you try to get Zach Levine and what would you give for Zach Levine? Regardless of your first answer, what would you give for Zach Levine? No, to the first answer. Okay, same. His, his knees are made of freaking molasses and Swiss cheese. Like so his, you're saying he's he's younger, taller Kemba Walker. He's younger, taller Kemba Walker, basically. Yeah. Okay. In a lot so of if ways, you were that, to trade for him, like gun to your head, you have to get him. What would you actually give or be willing to give for him? I mean, listen, he's had some of his best seasons underneath Tibbs, right? Yeah. You do have to take that into consideration. They did have a good relationship. Zach is pushing 30. He's a much more mature player. He is a bucket. Listen, two years ago, he was tremendous. He was fantastic. He would be the most polished scorer. Well, Jalen Brunson, maybe. He would be one of the two most polished scorers on our team, bar none. I mean, he'd be one of the best scorers on our team since Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Let's be real, right? Um, you know what's crazy? And I hate to say it. Do you know how much Zach Levine makes this year? Isn't it like 38 mil? 37.5. Yeah. Do you know what the combined salaries of Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier, and Derrick Rose are? Oh, I looked. I actually did this trade earlier. I did Obi Toppin, Evan Fournier, and Derrick Rose, and it was uh with Not Obi, Obi Toppin. I think it was thirty eight. So with Cam Reddish, is it like thirty six point nine or something? Thirty eight. Yeah, it's about thirty eight. So it's That's literally so funny. One for those one, those three guys and an unprotected. Does that get you there? I don't know if it, I don't know if you're getting getting him for one pick, um, especially because you're taking back two years. Well, one and a half years of Evan Fournier. And uh, you also have to pay Cam Reddish, even though you know he's a he's a nice player to have, especially if you want to rebuild. But um, I don't know if you're necessarily getting so one unprotected, that. one protected. How much think, do you think, think it would take I to get there? Some somewhere between two to four picks, depending okay. on protections and stuff like that, would have to get it done. I don't uh, know. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, but here, here's here's the real rumor, right? So. What's been touched on by Begley and Fred Katz was the Lakers. The Lakers are heavily interested in I've heard I've heard Evan Fournier, but then I've also heard Derek Rose and Cam Reddish. Now we know that they've been interested in Cam Reddish for a while. I've been hearing through the grapevine, especially from you know uh, the Twitter experts that the Lakers have had interest. Shout out Tommy D. Love the guy. Um because <laughs> uh, I because I did the you know the quotes, but um He's been saying for a little while that, that the Lakers have some interest uh, in Derrick Rose as well. Those are those are legit rumors, but the real question is, do we want to take back Russ? Because I don't see us really getting those first-round picks from them. We might be able to just consolidate those guys just to get off of, you know, not have to pay Cam, get off of Evan Fournier's contract, and then also, you know, give them Derrick Rose. We'd be taking back, I think, an extra $8.5 million on that deal, but then of course it just gives it gets us off of Evan Fournier's contract. I don't know if that's worth it to Russ not is get... expiring this year, right? This, this year, is the right. last year. I don't yeah, I don't know if it's worth it to necessarily do that without getting at least a first round pick back. Cause... I've made it very well known. I'm not a Russ guy. I haven't been a Russ guy since he was like on OKC with Kevin Durant. I just always thought that his play style and like one, he was just small and like like not gonna age well. And two, like he just always was better as a second or a third fiddle, and now he's beyond that. He's literally well past that prime. Russ is not a good NBA player. He's a good basketball player. Right. Like he's a good. He's a hooper. Not, yeah. not 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 a ball player. I mean, if you're six foot one and you get back cut, even though you can jump out of the gym, that's effort. That's just putting your mind there. What the audience to doesn't get know. off to get yeah, off second, of second. their one second. one second. 
what right. the audience doesn't know is that Vinny, our producer, is the biggest Russ fan there is, but he's also a very casual NBA fan. He doesn't really understand how not good Russ is. <laughs> so he's decent at fantasy basketball, which probably goes to him being a cash. I'm deleting. Yeah. I'm deleting this part. <laughs> <laughs> he's all yeah, like he said, he's our producer, so this might not make it. <laughs> um, yeah. he's an expiring, and it would limit it would prevent us having that log jam at minutes but then russ is the biggest headache to be around Derek rose is tom Thibodeau's almost best friend and seems like he was okay with being benched he's a true sport hasn't i mean he complained whatever but he's he's doing it and cam like i said before has said all of the right things to the new york media when his efforts been questioned by myself and us included at various points his consistency has always been a topic um, but he's always said the right things to the media, which I you can't say anything wrong about. What are the odds that Russell Westbrook doesn't just give tape fodder over and over again, not liking his role, not liking where the team's going? He can't wait till he gets out of here. Like, yeah, it sucks. I mean, yeah, he. I, I think I think we would. It would be worth it if we got a first round pick in return and then cut Russ to let him go sign at his leisure but i digress that's let's move on us giving him the last thing us giving them those three players is not worth them giving us a first round no one in that player group is worth a first round pick on their own so to just be giving away three players to match one contract we're not getting a first round pick out of that it doesn't make sense for either side i don't see it happening no me neither though the last thing like i said we're doing this right before the charlotte game it starts in 13 minutes so we'll get off real quick um at the games after this will be either 13 and 13 or 12 and 14 going into we are playing uh, home against Sacramento on Sunday at 6 p.m. Thank you, God, for it not being a matinee again. And then, very odd, we're playing a back-to-back against Chicago this week, both games in Chicago. So talk about Zach Levine and the the media story that that's going to be for the next five days after Sunday. What do you think? First, just for hyperbole and for us being psychic, do you think we're 13-13 and 13 or 12-14 and 14 when people hear this? Charlotte always comes to play, and they always... But they always slightly lose. Yeah, but I also don't like the spread. I would feel like the Knicks have been... The Knicks coming off two huge wins, and Charlotte just not being that good, and the spread's only about four. You know what it started out as when it was last night? Uh, Did you see the movement? No. It was Knicks by five and a half, and within 12 hours, it went to three and a half. I literally at work just watched it get bet down, and I was like, that's so effing weird. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that we have two back-to-back games at Chicago. In Chicago, when is that? Wednesday, Friday. So we play Sunday against Sacramento, and then Wednesday, Friday, both at Chicago. Which With a day off in between. What? With a day off in between. Yes. Weirdest thing. What? Would it be freaking nuts? Because December 15th is the first day that players that were recently signed can start to get traded. As an example for Knicks fans, like iHeart would be eligible in this scenario. And then Mitchell Robinson and them, yeah. Not saying, I mean, not that that has anything. We're not saying those guys are getting traded, just to give an example. Not to say that, you know, obviously we didn't just sign Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, or Cam Reddish. They all could be traded today if we wanted. How weird would it be if there was like a three-team deal and like someone was trying to move a player that was just recently signed? 
and we play the game on Wednesday without Zach Levine, and then we play the game on Friday with Zach Levine. How crazy would that be? That's bonkers. I feel like if I was Chicago, I would just be like, you guys, I'll make the trade with you guys. We can't do it till Saturday. I just wouldn't even want that to be a thing. That would be hilarious. I don't know, man. Um, I you know, my My stance on Zach Levine is like, I would have liked him two years ago before he really just started to fall down this like injury rabbit hole of of just like constant constant nagging injuries it was it was rough so neither here nor there so what well to answer the question again do you think we're 13 and 13 or 12 and 14 going into tomorrow i don't think charlotte's that good the line does scare me a little bit i would think it's a little bit more in favor of the knicks but the fact that everyone's betting it down the pessimist in me says 12 and 14 Okay, I think we're thirteen to thirteen. I yeah. was I should have literally bet the over under under when the Hawks game happened because I was like that's way too high and I just went against it because I questioned it. I'm not doing that again. The Hornets aren't that good. They're missing two of their best four players. We're gonna win tomorrow. Who's um, not playing? Lamelo Ball. First. Oh, and he's not. No, Lamelo's out. Still. Yeah. Well, no, he came back and left immediately. He like played three games and then got hurt again. Okay. And who else? PJ? Uh, so DSJ is also out. I'm clicking on the thing now just to tell you the whole the whole shebang. Uh, injured. LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, uh, Mark Williams, who's the backup center. That doesn't matter. Cody Martin and DSJ all out. So Ball and Hayward are both not playing. So that's why I don't... I, that's why I think... And DSJ, who's actually a decent... And why is it still a three and a half point spread? Because they are scared of Scary Terry? I don't know. I have no clue. Kelly Oubre? scares me. <laughs> he's scary. When, when it comes to, he's scary. When it comes to betting, when it, when it doesn't make sense, it probably doesn't make sense. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. I thought that, and I should have did that the under, and they the under hit by like 20 points the other night. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, so Sacramento home uh, Sunday. I think we're probably going to lose. Sacramento actually scares Sacramento's me. been really good. Yeah. Sacramento's been really good. Now, we, if you we, are a gambler, we, though, bet any and all Julius Randle props on Sunday because he dominates Thomas Bonus whenever they play. Yeah, facts. <laughs> and they're just not a good defense. It's just that their offense is on fire this year. It's like Dynamite. A five offense or something like that. Yeah. And then what about both Chicago games? Chicago sucks. I think we split them, though. I think we split them. Yeah. Yep. So if you think we're going one and two, uh, and you had us 12 and 14. You think we're going to be 13 and 16. I think we're winning tonight. So we'll be 13 and 13, but I think we're going one and two. So we're going to be 14 and 15 and we will see how it goes. Yep. Brad, any last words before we watch this Knicks Hornets game? Let's go Knicks. Let's go Knicks. And then Russell Westbrook is not good. Let's go birds. <laughs>